This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by HostGator, where you'll get 24-7 live support via chat, phone, email, one-click WordPress installs, easy-to-use website builder design services and marketing services like SEO and PPC, and for my listeners, a 30% discount. Go to HostGator.com slash promo slash duct tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Dory Clark. She's a marketing strategy consultant, professional speaker, and frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Forbes Entrepreneur, and the World Economic Forum blog. But she's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today called Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It. So, Dory, thanks for joining me. John, great to talk to you. I think this is your first, uh, is this your first visit to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast? It certainly is. This is a milestone. Well, I, I get to claim that I'm either old, and so I don't remember, but I also get to claim that I've been doing this for about a decade, so I, I've had some people on a couple times, and uh, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get you on. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's a treat to get to, to speak with you. So I always like to go after the title first. Um, who needs to stand out? Well, I think I think honestly, John, um, almost everybody needs to stand out these days. I mean, we all know that that competition is intensifying. You know, now just about every uh, you know marketer or consultant is having to compete against people who are you know doing things for four dollars an hour on Elance, yeah. and we have to find ways of showing people that they should choose us and not somebody else. In the absence of any other factor, people are going to go with the cheapest option. Yeah. And if you want to be able to make a living as a successful professional, you need to make it absolutely clear to people why they should choose you and you need to stand out in order to be able to do it. Well, and I think that's really interesting because I think a lot there've been a lot of books written lately on personal branding and thought leadership and I know that you cover some of that. But I think that there's a tendency of people to think, oh, yeah, sure, if I'm a consultant or I'm a speaker, you know, duh. But, you know, if I'm a plumber, do I need to stand out? And, and I think that what you're saying is it's not just about being known or, you know, doing something that gets you attention. It's really about people helping people understand the value you bring. Absolutely. It's, it's actually a, a win for both of you because you want to be in the position where you're able – for your real value to be understood and appreciated. I mean, ideally, any small business professional wants to be sought out for the types of things that you enjoy doing and you're best at doing. Right. And if if that's the case, you can't make your customers guess. You have to tell them and let them know so that you can be attracting the right kind of business and doing the best service for your clients. So so the second half of the, of the title uh, talks about this thing called a breakthrough idea. I guess maybe frame that for us. Yeah. So ultimately, the, the way that I set about researching standout, I was really fascinated by people who were thought leaders, you know, people who did in their field stand out. And so over the course of a couple of years, I interviewed about 50 people in a cross section of different fields, everybody from business to technology to, uh, to genomics to real estate. And I tried to understand among the people who are recognized experts, what, what made them that way? Um, was it, you know, the, the quality of their ideas? Was it how they conveyed them? And how could regular people learn from those ideas? So when I write about, you know, how to find your breakthrough idea, basically this means 
what are you known for in the world? You know, when we, when we think about, uh, you know, famous academics like Clayton Christensen, we think about disruptive innovation. That's his big idea. But when you think about Rachel Ray, who's actually someone that I profile in the book, you think 30-minute meals. It doesn't have to be, you know, the, the hugest uh, Einstein idea in the world, but you do have to be known for something. And so that's really what I, what I work on is trying to help people understand how they can find their special sauce that they can share with the world. Well, and that's a really interesting point because um, I have said all along that, you know, the big idea of duct tape marketing is that I've been telling people for a decade that marketing is a system. And there's really nothing that earth shattering about that simple idea. But I think the fact that I have stuck with it for a long time and really owned it um, and, and really at a time when maybe people weren't saying that to small business owners, you know, that to me was a somewhat disruptive idea. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I, I think you hit on a really important point, John, which leads me to the, the latter half of the book, which is how do you build a following around your idea? How do you actually get other people to hear it, to take it in, to listen and to say, oh, yeah, he's the duct tape marketing guy. And, you know, part of it is just persistence and consistency, yeah. you know, saying it over time. But there's there's a, a, a crucial uh, progression in terms of, of how we do it of first starting out by having a small group of, of trusted people. You know, we, you know, you can put whatever name on it, your kitchen cabinet, your mastermind group, but having people who can give you the feedback you need to improve, then moving out to sharing your idea with the world. And this is a lot of what, what you talk about. You know, how, how do you get out there and do marketing, you know, speeches and, and writing blog posts and, and writing articles and letting, making yourself findable in the world by people who want to do business with you. And then finally, it's about creating a product or service that is so compelling and so interesting that, and so valuable that other people start talking about it, that your customers become your evangelists. That's really when you've succeeded. So there's a lot of people talking about this idea, and, and partly because it's a very powerful one. Um, but does that lead to, you know, it's like when I started my blog. I mean, I got a lot of attention when the media started paying attention because there just that weren't that many bloggers. But today, you know, somebody's starting a blog. I mean, it's really a crowded field. I mean, is it, is, is this idea kind of overdone in some fashion? Yeah, well, I, I have two responses to that, John. The first one is that, uh, you know, as, as you were saying a moment ago about, uh, about you and your insights on marketing, I mean, to a certain extent, uh, when it comes to a topic like business or fitness or something like that, no, you know, no idea is truly 100% new. I mean, right, this is, right, right. you know, we all, we all put our own spin on it. We all tell it our own ways. And I, I think that the crucial thing is that if you are saying it in a different way that resonates with, with certain people, um, they're, they're able to hear it from you in a way that other people can't. And so one of my goals as a former journalist is to really try to create uh, hopefully captivating stories. I mean, by profiling these 50 thought leaders, my hope is that people who read Stand Out will see people that they know and admire in the book and you know, be pretty interested to hear their, their origin stories and how they got to be famous and why and, and learn from those stories. Um, so I think, you know, that's a piece of it is, is, you know, some, sometimes insights are, uh, are not necessarily, uh, you know, E equals MC squared, but they are, um, things that people can learn from because the stories are new and relatable and make you see the world in a different place. 
The other thing that, uh, that I'll add to that is that one of the things that I realized when it came to creating a breakthrough idea is that one of the best ways to do it is to actually create a structure. And what I mean by this, when we think about people who have really become like long-lasting thought leaders, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her five stages of grief, or Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, or you know Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. You know, you have these things, and these are people who put structure around a field mm-hmm. in order to help people understand it. You did that yourself with marketing as a process. You gave people a structure, and they're able to look at it and say, "Oh, I, you know, this all makes sense to me now." Yeah. And so, similarly, what I'm trying to do with Stand Out is to create a structure around how to become a recognized expert to make it easier and faster and, uh, and more understandable so that just about any professional can do it. This idea of thought leadership is one that, of course, has uh, you know captivated a lot of people <laughs> today, um, and and I think that you know one, obviously one of the difficult things about it is that it's difficult. It takes time. Uh, you have to put in the work. You have to be consistent. All those things, but. Can you, uh, in, in some of the stories, and I know you related some of the, in, in the book, um, are, are you able to find some sort of a mathematical formula about the value of being seen uh, as a thought leader? I know that's probably too specific, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, cl- clearly there's, there's not one specific equation that can describe it, but, you know, one, the, the actual last section of the book, the entire last section, is talking about ways to monetize expertise and to make a sustainable living as a thought leader. Because one of the interesting paradoxes in our, uh, in our <laughs> contemporary society is that you could actually have a great reputation as a thought leader. You could be one of the best known people in your field, you know, just writing, writing blog posts every day and generating, you know, thousands of shares and, and whatever. And you could actually practically be starving because a lot of these things that, that people do uh, are not directly monetized. You know, most blog posts you don't get compensated for. You have to f- make your living around the edges through other things like consulting or coaching or speaking or creating products. And y- you have to learn multiple skills to do that. But I, I think that that is one of the, the really important things to point out that becoming, uh, becoming a thought leader, having expertise is a, an important and necessary step, but it's not the final step. Um, you also need to think about how to, how to make it sustainable uh, once you've done it. And fortunately, it, if you have a certain level of brand recognition, it's not that hard to do it, but you do need to be strategic. Well, and um, you know, you make such a great point because there, the world is littered with um, um, you know people with half a million Twitter followers that uh, can't pay the rent. Um, because I think there, there there is so much for a lot of people. There's so much emphasis on the how do I get known, um, and not enough planning on okay, you know, what's my intention? You know, once once we get that, it's 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 kind of like it's backwards, right? I mean, you have to have the plan. In, in some ways, you build the plan for how you're going to monetize it, and then you go out and build a community around that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really true. And so, you know, for, for the for the folks who are listening, you know, your small business audience, John, uh, I think you know it's always important to have to have your eyes on the prize. Uh, you're not getting Twitter followers or writing blog posts for the sake of how many eyeballs you hit. Um, when we talk about cultivating a reputation as an expert, it, in the lo- and this is, this is an important point because 
a lot of people get thrown off. They say, oh, well, I could never be the world's expert in such and such, so I'm, I'm not going to try. Why should I bother doing that? But the truth is almost nobody needs to be the world's expert. What you need to be is the expert in your town yeah. or the expert – if you're an, an individual who works at a company, you need to be the expert in your company. You don't need to know the most about you know, training and development in the world. If you know the most in your company, that makes you indispensable. That makes you really valuable. Uh, and you know, for, for all of these things, it's about becoming a local expert. And you don't need a million followers to do that. You need to create good content and share it with your potential customers. And that accelerates the, the sales process, makes it easier for them to decide to buy from you. And that puts dollars in your pocket. Where do you think, what do you think the role of, of having a, a, a very succinct point of view comes in? So in other words, I'm writing this content and here's what I believe and here's how I think the world works. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. Uh, but I'm not just here to write so that I can write things that people think are lovely. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a, a point of view really is important. I mean, you know, that that doesn't mean necessarily that you have to seek out controversy. I mean, uh, you know, maybe that sells in politics or, or something like that. But you don't you don't have to be a contrarian. But what it does mean is that people want to see the real you. They want to they want to see uh, a human being behind there. And this is a transition that a lot of us have had to go through. I mean, I actually, you know, my training um, where I came up, I started as a journalist. I then moved into, uh, you know, the next job that I had in my career was I worked in politics and I was a spokesperson on a gubernatorial campaign and then a, a spokesperson on a presidential campaign. And this was in the era before uh, social media really took hold. And at the time, we were still doing these, you know, very sort of official sounding press releases. And you wanted everything to sound stentorian and neutral. And within a few years, that got eviscerated. Nobody wants that anymore. They want to see who you are. So a point of view could literally just be, you know, talking the way you talk. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I admire most about you, John, is that the way that you communicate across all of your platforms is very true to who you are as an individual. I mean, you're, you know, you're a, a nice, regular guy and, you know, with no pretensions and somebody who treats everybody equally and is, you know, just super nice and accessible and willing to share what you know. And that comes through in spades. Well, thank you very much. But you just stole my uh, joke. I was going to tell uh, my listeners uh, that uh, I would have uh, definitions on some of the terms that you, uh, some of the words you've been uh, using uh, that uh, have gone be you know beyond my uh, eighth grade <laughs> vocabulary. So um, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm certain. Uh, inviscerated has never been used on this show before. I'm positive. <laughs> All right. So at what point? And of course, again, I, I know the answers to these. I'm just letting you tee this up. You know, at what point uh, do the naysayers say, well, all this personal branding and thought leadership stuff, you know, it's, just, it's just a bunch of self-promotion. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, there certainly are people that are playing it that way. But uh, what, what do you say to the people that, that feel like, oh, I don't know if I want to go there? Yeah. So, so two thoughts about this. So number one, you know, because I speak about this often, I, I, you know, get, get feedback from, from some folks who even, they even hate the term personal brand, even the term yeah. itself turns yeah. them off. Yeah. And, you know, the point that I like to make is that your personal brand is not something that you can opt out of. You you have a personal brand whether you know it or not. And the re the reason for this, I mean, personal branding may be a recent uh, term, 
But fundamentally, what we are talking about is your reputation. Everyone has a reputation. And if you are a professional that cares about your business and cares about how you are seen in your community, it behooves all of us to know what our reputation is and if it is not what you wish it to be, to try to close that gap and to make sure that other people are seeing you the way that you would like to be seen. Fundamentally, that is all personal branding is. Now, do some people go, go nuts and take it too far? Yeah, absolutely they do. But that, that is, uh, I think, a perversion of the idea of it. Um, personal branding does not in any way imply that you have to be getting a megaphone and screaming about how great you are. What it implies is that you have to know who you are and you have to try to make sure that your actions align with your values and how you'd like to be seen. And that, that doesn't involve excessive self-promotion. That involves being authentic, knowing who you are, and doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Yeah, maybe occasional uh, intentional choice, huh? <laughs> as Absolutely. One, as, as one of the ways. Because I think that's really what it comes down to is, is knowing, I mean, knowing ahead of time, you know, the choices you're going to make when, when the situation arises. I think that's probably as, as, as much as anything. So as you went through and did these interviews, did you find that there were a handful of strategies that applied universally? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, uh, you know, one one point that I think is really important to make in, in this uh, speeded up modern world is, uh, is something that I think often gets overlooked. Because when we think about, you know, having big ideas or, you know, getting known for something, I think a lot of people envision that this is something that happens when you're burning the midnight oil, when you're, you know, banging your head against a wall and, you know, finally, finally you get your idea. But uh, as David Allen uh, from Getting Things Done fame uh, mentioned to me when I interviewed him, um, he, he says you don't need time to have a good idea. You need mental space. And I think that that's really important. Um, it's, it's not it, – it, that's something that gets lost more than almost anything else in the hurly-burly of modern life. You know, People are constantly checking messages, checking their Twitter feed – um, having their attention pulled in different areas. And so when I started to do some research about uh, Daniel Goleman, who uh, is most famous for his books on emotional intelligence, I was actually really struck. I didn't know where he had gotten the idea about this or how, uh, how this franchise had started. But the way that it did was that he was a journalist and he discovered the idea. This was not his research. Um, he discovered the idea that had been written up in a psychology journal. And he read it, and it, it, it hardly got any play. You know, I mean, it's you know, nice, okay, but it's this boring academic study that is literally hidden in plain sight in a journal. And, but, but here's the thing. Today, reporters are reading BuzzFeed, and they're blogging 10 times a day. <laughs> they're not reading acad academic journals to be looking for the gems. And so I think that one of the most important things that, that all of us can do if we want to make space in our lives for finding these ideas that could be the breakthrough for us personally or for our companies is to build in that space for reflection, even if it's just an hour a week, but to take the time to do something that, that requires just a little bit more concentration or that takes us out of the day-to-day -day so that we can begin to let our minds wander in productive areas. So you heard it here first. Dory Clark says don't read BuzzFeed. <laughs> so 
where are some places in people's everyday lives when they have those space, that space, that are some obvious places to look for ideas? For example, one of my f- favorite places um, when I hear people say that I got this big idea because I had a problem and I couldn't find anybody else to solve it, so I just created a company to do it, you know, or something, yeah. you know, solving their own problem. Right? You know, are there some other kind of obvious places people should be looking in their lives if they've really come to this thing like, I don't have my big idea? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, one one place that that probably a lot of your listeners have found them, uh, you know, and it's it's almost uh, it's almost funny, but uh, is the shower. Um, mm-hmm. When I interviewed uh, Seth Godin for the book, uh, you know, one of, one of the highlights for me of, of the book was getting to talk to so many leading business sure. leaders. And uh, Seth Godin was telling me about the genesis of you know his big idea, permission marketing. And uh, I asked him, you know, how did you how did you come up with with that? You know, it's such a succinct, you know, pithy uh, description of what it is we're talking about. You know, it really sort of defined the new marketing. And he said, you know, um, for for months we didn't have a name for it. We couldn't really describe it. And he said that with his company that he had at the time, Yo-Yo Dine, it was a real problem because he would go in and try to talk to corporate executives to get them to hire Yo-Yo Dine. And the sales cycle was incredibly long because they just wouldn't get it. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, they're like, well, what are you talking about? And Seth finally just hit a wall and realized that if the company was going to succeed, he needed a name. He needed a name that could encapsulate the concept. And so he said he went home that, that day and he told his uh, staff that he was going to be in late. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the shower tomorrow until I think of a name. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he took a shower for about an hour and, and he came up with a name. So that's, that's one uh, place, you know, and, and really, you know, research backs this up. That what's what's crucial about things like taking walks or going on showers or you know whatever is that um, because your body is occupied doing a sort of mindless r- rote task that it's accompanied you know that, that it's accustomed to um, your brain is free to wander yeah. and so you're you're just distracted enough that your mind's able to sort of hit on things but you know another thing that I'll actually just mention briefly John is that um, I actually created a special uh, a, a special giveaway uh, of the book it's a 42 page workbook cool. that I adapted uh, from standout it's called 130 nine questions to help you find your breakthrough idea and that is exactly what it is it's a workbook with these questions and it's available on my website doryclark.com uh, people can can sign up to download that awesome um that's great and i i think that sometimes people just need that stimulation to get the ball rolling so that should be a really valuable resource um, i want to end uh, on uh, a question about community so, you know, we've talked about this idea of standing out and finding your breakthrough idea. Um, and I think a lot of the successes of people that I think have, have really done that. Um, are you familiar with Chris Gillibo? That's a sure, yeah. a, you know, great example. The World Domination Summit. I mean, there's 3,000, you know, lusty people that, that every year, you know, pay I don't know what it is, 6 or 700 dollars to come to this uh, to this conference. And, and Chris doesn't really make any if he may not make any money on this. I spoke at it last year, and I, I think given the amenities that they uh, provide and the, the experience that they provide, I think it's pretty much a break-even thing. But he's got this community that would run through walls for him, um, and and I think that that's probably the, that that may be the hardest piece in this entire puzzle. Yeah, it's it's really true, and and I think it is the culmination of what we're talking about. 
Um, you're exactly right. And so, you know, one of the one of the things that uh, the examples that I like to cite, I talk about um, Eric Reese, who some of your mm-hmm. listeners probably know is the author of the Lean Startup. Yeah, yeah he's he's been a guest. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, one of one of the interesting things that he did, um, which goes to uh, a point about how to create a breakthrough idea, is uh, he really did a mashup of disciplines. Um, you know, he he took this ultimate industrial economy process, you know, the lean manufacturing, which Toyota used to improve its cars, and he melded it with technology and the startups to create something very different. But what's fascinating for me about that phenomenon is that, you know, here's a guy that wrote a very successful book, but it be- it became a movement. I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. there are more than 350,000 people around the world who participate in lean startup meetups in more than 70 different countries around the world. And they don't do that because... Uh, you know, because they've been advertised to. They do that because they believe that your idea is so useful to them, they take it on as their own. And I think that's that's really the key. I mean, if, if Sheryl Sandberg's lean in message was, hey, buy my book, it's called lean in, th- th- you know, that, that stops with her. But if, if it becomes a message about what you can do with your own life or how, you know, how your customers can help themselves and help other people, then that's a message that they want to be an ambassador for and they want to spread to others. So we can find the book, of course, uh, Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It by Dory Clark. You can find that book uh, anywhere that uh, books are sold. Uh, Dory also, as she mentioned, has uh, this 139 questions that ought to pretty much get your brain humming on your breakthrough idea. So, Dory, thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm certain we'll see you out there on the road. Thanks, John.